1: wild turkey same recipe since
0: 1942 if you want a true classic this is what you want to order wild turkey wild turkey distilling company lawrenceburg kentucky copyright 2020 campari American, new york new york never compromise drink responsibly
1: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. Today's episode will feature a trade deadline review. The the edition also includes a bit of a look at the team outlooks now for the remainder of the season, along with some injury news. But because of the volume of uh, trading activity, we're going to have a bit of a departure from the norm and go through some of these deals. And, A.J., there's a pile of them to get to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a really... Uh, busy kind of active day. You know, right after the deadline closed yesterday, uh, reports were that the the central office was still flooded uh, with flooded being a relative term. I'm I'm sure they could manage the workload, but uh, there were still Uh, A lot of trades that needed to be processed that have been submitted and just not announced yet. Uh, And we saw that in terms of the news. They just kind of kept dropping uh, for at least another hour uh, as they were were rolling out. So uh, a really busy day. Uh, But we're back and and we're ready to go and ready to break down these trades. I'm super excited. It's one of my favorite shows of the year to kind of talk about who went where, how it helps teams, you know, what makes them better. Uh, But before we kick off the show, I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general you can tweet at us we'll try and answer those questions you know if you uh, want more in-depth you know if we kind of brush over a trade and, and you think it you know may or may not have helped or hurt your team you want a little more answers to that we're happy uh, to delve into that as Paul mentioned you can follow me at AJ 24 and you can follow Paul the statsman at statsman 22
1: all right and before we talk about yesterday's trades uh, Monday being the deadline there were a few that happened between uh, yesterday and our last time we came to you uh, with our most recent pod so we'll wind wind it back to February 20th when uh, the trading really started in earnest Minnesota and Boston getting together on a deal uh, that uh, saw uh, Ryan Donato go to Minnesota along with a fifth round pick uh, from Boston in exchange for Charlie Coyle now Charlie Coyle has been a favorite of mine in DFS play for a couple of years AJ this guy's a useful part he can play any forward position and i think that was part of the attraction for boston what say you about this deal
0: yeah i definitely think it's that flexibility uh and you know minnesota didn't really use him at least not the last two years on uh, at the center position as much lining him up more as a wing and i think you know we'll talk about uh, a, another addition that they uh, brought in here at the deadline, and that'll put Coyle into more of that natural center position. I expect him to be, uh, you know, third line center is what is where it kind of projects, and I think that's a great spot. Uh, for the team to be able to have a depth guy like that uh so but you know if something comes up he can move to that wing so the flexibility here i think is great i don't think the price tag was too big i think it's a good deal for minnesota to get kind of a younger player who could maybe use a little change of scenery plus pick up a pick there
1: yeah we talked about ryan donato a couple of times this year he didn't really build on what he did for the bruins in the playoffs last year so they may have soured on him a little bit but i i think he's going to get a better opportunity to strut his offensive skills in a in a Minnesota situation where he should get a better roster position there going forward. So probably a win-win situation here in that scenario. Then uh, February 21st, we saw a minor deal, uh, a part that you know a little bit about. Carl Hagelin was involved as the Los Angeles Kings shipped him off to Washington in exchange for a third round pick in 2019 and a conditional sixth in 2020 that's quite a haul for a guy who has slipped from being what i consider a top six winger aj so i think the kings did well here
0: oh absolutely i i, I this i question this trade a little bit uh from the capital perspective you No, know, i do think it gives them uh, kind of a veteran guy who has some experience for for a depth option not that this team really needs it having gone all the way last year uh, and, and I do think uh, he can add some grittiness some penalty killing maybe uh, could be kind of what they're looking here overall but uh, third feels a little high to me I would have expected maybe a fourth or a fifth uh, and then to have that conditional six I don't think is a big deal I'm pretty sure it's conditional on whether or not he resigns. so uh, that's a decision for down the road but third felt a little high uh, and I'm not totally sold on the roll he'll fill in Washington.
1: And then one of the big dominoes fell on February 22nd. We've been hearing rumors about a shakeup in Ottawa, and boy, did the Senators deliver on that bit of news. Uh, the first trade that went down involving them was they got uh, prospects Vitaly Abramov, Jonathan Davidson, a first-round pick in 2019 and a conditional first in 2020 all from Columbus who were big players at the trade deadline for in exchange for Matt Duchesne and Julius Bergman. This is a huge haul for Ottawa in terms of prospect capital in exchange for a guy that they just uh, couldn't agree to a contract extension with Matt Duchesne. And really, I'm not sure whether he wanted to stay in the first place or what Ottawa constrained in terms of their finances. We'll get into that discussion, I'm sure, during the course of this episode, AJ. But I have mixed feelings about this deal, and uh, they'll come out before we, uh, we sign off today. What do you think about this trade in, in effect?
0: Yeah, I think it's a. I, I liked it from from Ottawa's perspective. It you know once they got to the point where Matthew Duchene wasn't going to re-sign, um, I you know I think they had to move him. They got a, a pretty decent haul. Obviously, they're going to be hoping that he re-signs uh, with Columbus to kind of solidify that extra uh, first-round pick which I, I think is a little bit uh, becomes a little bit too steep for me. I think it's a fair trade both ways as it is now. Uh, I think Ottawa kind of rakes them a little bit over the coals. If they re resign, um, you know, getting that second, uh, first round pick uh, cause those are really the only ones where you can pretty much say this guy will at least get a shot at some NHL time. Uh, I think the interesting part, a little piece of this is that Julius Bergman was kind of tossed in there uh, from you know, Ottawa's and, and, and Columbus flipped that and used that, uh, that player, that prospect down the road. So kind of good deal uh, of business on them. And, hey, I just want to throw it out there. I did say that this was a possibility in our last show, that Columbus, instead of trading away guys, would go big and go all in and they definitely did that and we'll we'll see that kind of rolling forward here.
1: Yeah that was a great hot take by you that looks uh, looks golden today for sure. Uh, same day the 22nd a minor deal an exchange of depth players. Man, Washington building up their uh, experience on the blue line by picking up Nick's Je- Nick Jensen and a fifth rounder from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for madison bowie and a second rounder that second rounder not next year but the year following the fifth rounder coming through in the next draft for washington so jensen an exper- another experienced hand on the back end for the caps and i, I look for these moves uh, aj when i see uh, teams load up on a position like defense because really the playoffs is a war of tr- attrition and you can't really just go in with a six pack of guys that you wrote all year it's really good to have a, a handy guy uh, with some experience
0: like jensen into the mix for washington i
1: think that's This was a good move by them.
0: Absolutely agree with that. Uh, You know, it's, it's uh, a solid kind of, you know, you upgrade a little bit from a guy who's kind of a fringe uh, defenseman in in Madison Bowie who could uh, turn into something. I think he needs a little more time to kind of develop, um, but he's definitely somebody, you know, who could take that next step at some point here. Uh, And then, you know, from Washington side, you get a guy in Jensen who's a little more uh, experienced, a little more settled uh, and, you know, is locked up for for a little bit now as they signed him to an extension. Uh, once they once they made the move to acquire him and then we had
1: a trio of deals on the 23rd AJ the first one was uh, Matt Zuccarello going from the Rangers to Dallas now uh, the Rangers get a conditional second pick in the 2019 and a conditional third in 2020 from Dallas in theory but I say in theory because this guy played his first game got a goal and an assist then he hurt his arm and he'll be lost to this team for a month so I'm wondering if that impacts the, any of the conditions <coughs> going forward maybe it's all hinging on their ability to re- resign him as well that seems to be the case in a lot of these situations but sometimes it's playoff success or just getting to the postseason might be a factor so uh, the conditions aren't totally clear up from my end maybe you can shed some light on that but Uh, On paper, this looked like a great addition to the Stars when it went down in the first place.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was a good deal uh, for Dallas to really not have to give up any prospects. I would have imagined that's something uh, that the Rangers would have tried to get in terms of of bringing in a return on Zuccarella. And so um, I do think uh, that was kind of a a condition there now, um, or a good deal by the Rangers from there. Speaking of the conditions, most of them looks like uh, the, they factor around first uh, how, much, how far they advance into the playoffs this year and how many of those games Zuccarello plays. Uh, so the current injury I don't think will factor into that. Obviously, uh, Dallas seems pretty consistent to make the playoffs. He'll be back in a month and be ready to go. Uh, the other condition being whether or not they resign him, uh, and that, that kind of factors in as well. So, uh, we'll kind of see how that all breaks out. But I think even if, uh, these conditions kind of bump up in certain ways, it shows that you get return for the player, you get long uh, commitment from him in terms of staying there. So I think it's a, a good move by Dallas, especially the fact they didn't have to give up any young prospects.
1: And then the second deal, we're talking about uh, Ottawa getting another couple of high draft picks, a second in 2020, a second in 2021 from Columbus. They move Ryan Zingle plus a seventh round pick. And they also get back the troubled winger. This guy's bounced around a lot. Not one of my favorites in DFS play. And character-wise, a guy who's I think is a little bit a suspect in that regard. He's proven it by bouncing around as much as he has. And we're talking about Anthony Duclair coming to Ottawa as well. He'll be a guy that they slot right into the lineup right away. And, man, he's got a great opportunity for an audition here to write uh, his own personal ship, I guess. But uh, the two more draft picks in the cupboard here. Ottawa loading up uh, in the next the high end of the draft for the next couple of years
0: yeah i was a little surprised on on the return here that that they got for dzingo and um you know not that i don't think he's worth it but a a second rounder a couple second round picks uh but they are down the road a little bit so uh from columbus's standpoint you know you're yes you're mortgaging the future a little bit but it's not kind of an immediate impact uh, in terms of of the draft so i do think zingle will be a great player for them a great addition Uh, and duclair as you mentioned fourth team in the last two years Uh, he's now played for chicago arizona ottawa and columbus over that stretch let's not forget he also a couple years back spent some time with the rangers as well so fifth overall franchise uh for him and though Ottawa will be the latest ones who think uh they can, you know, turn uh coal into a diamond here.
1: A <laughs> very good call there. Uh New Jersey and Dallas hooked up in the next deal on again on the twenty third. A swap of defensemen, Connor Carrick moving for the second time in this season as New, New Jersey now takes him in, along with a third round pick in twenty nineteen from Dallas for Ben Lovejoy. This the Stars making another move in a determined bid to be a factor in the, in the postseason tourney. I like the addition of Lovejoy here. You you're a guy who's more familiar with him than I. So why don't you give our listeners a bit of a thumbtail on him and your expectations in this mix.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised here to see the move. I mean, you're moving from uh, kind of youth uh, in Carrick to a a more veteran guy in Lovejoy, which is fine. Um, Third round felt, again, a little bit high in that sense. But uh, overall, I do uh, think Lovejoy will offer... Uh, some kind of veteran leadership on that blue line. That's, you know, been a little bit without that, you know, you've got Mark Mathot and Stefan Johns injured. Um, So you've got youngsters and Essa Lindell, Miro Heiskanen, uh, even Jamie Oleksiak isn't, isn't super, uh, you know, long in the tooth there in terms of experience. So it it does help in that sense. Um, I, you know, from the New Jersey side, Carrick got two assists last night. So they're obviously going to be happy with that. Uh, he'll get more play time there he he was a bit of uh outside looking in with dallas so he'll get more opportunities in new jersey so i think it's a good move for him as well
1: then the final deal on the on the 24th before the trade deadline date of 25th buffalo Sabers <coughs> get involved in in the trade swapping and i'm really surprised they were a player here picking up brendan Ma- Brandon Montour from Anaheim in exchange for Brendan Cooley uh, who was a defenseman picked uh, in the second round in 2015 by Anaheim and uh, and, uh, and the Ducks also get a first round pick in 2019 from the Sabres. That could be an interesting choice here, uh AJ, but Brandon Montour added into the mix with the two rasmuses in buffalo gives them a pretty solid looking defense core when you take that all in montour for my money was probably very highly sought at the trade deadline i'm just surprised he didn't go to a contending team
0: well what's interesting for me is that if you had told me ahead of time that the sabers were going to make a move in the the days leading up to the deadline and only one move uh, i would not have said they would add a to defense. I mean, <laughs> you you mentioned the Rasmus's. I'll I'll throw in Jake McCabe there as well. Uh, Casey Nelson is just coming back from an extended absence due to injury, uh, and he can certainly be a factor. So, uh, it, it was not a, a position I thought that they would go to, especially in order to part with a first round pick. And, and that's the part that gets me here a little bit. You know, uh, Goulet was you know kind of a fringe guy struggling to break in. Um, and that's why i think they were willing to part ways for him but to give up essentially the first round pick for brendan Montour uh, feels again a little bit steep for me uh, especially from a position of strength if they had said that they pr- traded their first round pick to bolster their forward ranks uh, that would have made a little more sense to me but to add to an already strong part of this team uh, was a bit confusing now that's not a knock on montour at all i think he'll be a great player for them this could be one of Uh, the best defensive groups we've seen since nashville uh started you know compiling their their guys but um obviously that has to shake out and we'll see what happens there but for me uh to part with the first rounder for anything other than forward depth uh is a little bit surprising to me
1: yeah i would agree with your assessment there that brings us to the 25th which was a spectacular day of uh Uh, Viewing near the end of the deadline, it started off kind of slow, but there was one trade very early in the morning that got uh, me to wake up uh, in gave me a bit of a start when I saw it, to be very honest. San Jose picking up Gustav Nyquist from the Detroit Red Wings for a second rounder in 2019 and a conditional third in 2020. <laughs> I've been a big fan of Nyquist and he's having an excellent season right now for the Detroit, Detroit Red Wings. Bit of a bounce back year, but I was surprised when I looked at uh, how old he is. He's been around the league for eight or nine years already. I thought he was still a kid, AJ. So <laughs> that kind of tempered my initial reaction. Uh, and, and I think that San Jose adds another great piece here to uh, what could be a very formidable top three lines uh, when you look at their roster now offensively and uh, the Red Wings get a get a decent return for a guy who uh, will be a sniper that I think the Sharks fans will learn to like very very quickly he's a very skilled player and uh, this is a great landing spot for him an excellent move by the Sharks
0: absolutely and and to get it without having to give up again to give up those young prospects i, I think is a a great deal for them you know detroit does get some solid picks uh, back and so obviously for a player that they weren't going to be able to keep anyway it sounds like uh, a, a good piece of business there what i love about the nyquist acquisition is you said it could give them three uh, solid depth lines which is certainly uh, how it may shake out and, and what they ultimately decide to do but nyquist could move up to that left wing spot to go with couture and pavelski if they really want one you know real power line uh they could even just bolster the second line and go Vander kane thomas Hurdle, and nyquist on the other side or they could stick uh with jumbo joe and nyquist making up that third line so the amount of flexibility it gives them in terms of uh you know depth lines bolstering some real real hard attack lines i think makes it uh, that much better of an addition
1: and i'm glad you teased the combination here (coughs) because following uh, a run through of all the trades here what i'd like to do is go through some of the contending teams and take a look at how those new lineups look out look like so hang with us folks as we get through the rest of these deals and then we'll go to the individual teams that we think will uh, be most altered by the the moves that have been made Uh, up next we got the ottawa senators getting brian gibbons uh, from anaheim for patrick Seeloff, a defenseman who was drafted way back in 2012 and really hasn't panned out at the nhl level but ottawa gets a serviceable player who will uh, hope to build on some uh, good start uh, spurts that he showed in the last uh, last year more than this year i'll say gibbons getting a fresh start to uh, rediscover a scoring uh, side of himself that he showed at times last season I think this could be an interesting pickup for the Ottawa Senators one that kind of flies in face of face of all the exodus that was going on here they got a, a veteran guy who comes in
0: Yeah, I actually look at this as a way to shed some additional cap heading into next season. Um, You've got Gibbons on, you know, his contract will expire at the end of the year. Obviously, if he has good production, they could decide to resign him, uh, seal off. They would have been tied to for at least one more season uh, and then had to decide what to do with him as an RFA at that point. So this could be just more of a, hey, uh, we need some bodies at this point with everybody (laughs) we've gotten rid of. Uh, you know we'll bring in uh, you know Gibbons and then you know he can walk at the end of the season and they'll get even more cap room uh, for whatever it is they're going to do this offseason but they should obviously have plenty of space uh, if they want to take a run at some free agents
1: and then uh, New Jersey made a move that kind of had me scratching my head a little bit because I guess they really believe in Mackenzie Blackwood even though they sent him back to the minors they moved Keith Kincaid Uh, to Columbus in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2019 Columbus looking for goalie depth and maybe they'll be uh, hoping that Keith Kincaid might be the heir apparent if Sergei Bobrovsky doesn't resign with this team all indications are that after this playoff he's done in Columbus and wants to move out so uh, Kincaid might be some goalie insurance for the future here the way I see this trade but maybe nothing more than that AJ
0: well, I do think it also gives them a little bit of veteran uh, backup experience. You know, Kincaid uh, over Corpusalo. I, I think they do like Corpasalo. I don't think it's, uh, you know, a knock on his play at all. Um, but, you know, Kincaid has some veteran experience from New Jersey's standpoint. To get something for him, I think is a good move. Obviously, Blackwood is, you know, they brought him back up uh with you know once they move kincaid and him and schneider will probably split the the duties the rest of the way and they'll see what they have there and kind of decide how they want to look long term and i just don't think there was a spot uh for kincaid at this point in uh new jersey
1: and then winnipeg if you can imagine this team is a big team in terms of average size they got they got even bigger with the addition of kevin hayes whom they picked up from the new york rangers in exchange for brendan lemieux a first rounder in 2019 and a conditional fourth in 2022. It's a pretty good haul by the Rangers, but uh, the the Jets get a second line center. I I think that's an area that uh, I was looking for them to bolster when I when I look at Brian Little. I think you know what he's a good center, but they should do better at that position considering the quality of wingers that they have and I think Hayes could be that guy he's on the verge of a career season year to date always being in the 40 40 to 50 point range he probably topped that this season with a nice finish in the Jets situation and I think this is a great landing spot for him and uh, just makes a big team that much tougher to play against.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned, you know, the the fact that Line A might have to move up to that top line to get going three goals in his last two games. So clearly uh, it has fa- fared well for him to be with Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, but that really kind of thinned out that second line a little bit. And so you had potentially Kyle Connor, Brian Little and Nikolai Ehlers as as your second line, which isn't bad, but it's not going to you know, help you make a deep run at the cup. Kevin Hayes kind of changes that. Uh, Brian Little becomes instead of a subpar second line center, a quality third line center. Um, and so i think it's a good addition for a team that's in win now mode obviously they had to give up a lot Uh, i know brendan lemieux's been a prospect they've been high on and obviously the rangers are as well that first round pick tossed in there uh you know for next year but it's a win now franchise uh, and they will be for another couple of years here and so uh, picks have to go sometimes prospects have to go uh, to add that piece at the deadline
1: and then up next, the Montreal Canadiens and Arizona Coyotes got together on another deal. They've been pretty pre- frequent par- trading partners the last couple of years. Uh, Montreal gets Jordan Wheel from Arizona ex- in exchange for center prospect Michael Chaput wheel is an interesting guy too we've talked about a couple of players who can play multiple positions up front he's another one he's played top six minutes in the past he's played a checking line role he's played on the wings he's played at center so a useful piece for montreal to get he's another speedy little guy though and that's kind of in keeping what they seem to harvest here they're not uh, a big team by any means up front and this is just another little speedster who will uh, join the rest of those ranks and hopefully get a shot in a scoring line role but I, th- I see him as a depth forward here for Montreal
0: absolutely I think this is uh, pretty much a move of, of depth guys What's interesting about Montreal's moves this season to get uh, smaller and faster is it's completely the opposite of what we saw them do last year uh, when they got, you know, bigger uh, and more physical and then, you know, flamed out and, in, uh, in, in, you know, the season uh, went, you know, down the toilet there for them. So uh, to take the complete opposite approach this year, we'll see what gets them. Uh, I find it interesting that this team just can't seem to find balance. You can't, ha- they can't figure out how to have big guys and fast guys and make it work it seems like they have to do one or the other uh, and i'm not necessarily sure that's the right choice for them
1: and then uh, carolina gets uh, thomas yurko from florida for future considerations. Now, Yurko was an NHLer who had regular time in Detroit for a number of years, but he's been in the minors in Florida all season long this season. So he's looking for a, uh, a rebirth opportunity in his uh, career in Carolina, and he might get that chance, uh, AJ. So a low-cost pickup for Carolina if they decide to To extend Yurko's uh, professional career possibly but uh, a dump by Florida they're making room for a big splash in the offseason I think
0: well it's kind of interesting I'm actually going to package this one up for for another one they got Thomas Yurko from Florida for future kid considerations then Florida got Cliff Pugh from Carolina for future considerations so I'm not sure why we didn't just trade Thomas Yurko for Cliff (laughs) Pugh but uh all that to say uh I do think Yurko uh you know could be an option for them moving forward you've got uh 50 points in in 201 nhl games at this point so he's got a little bit of experience there and so that that could help them i would expect him to get called up at some point i don't necessarily see cliff Pugh getting called up uh this early he's only in his first professional season coming out of juniors uh you know he did spend mo- he has spent most of his time in the ahl but he did even dip down into the echl for about five games uh so i expect him to take another year or two to develop so it's kind of uh you know carolina gets the more experienced guy Cl- florida gets potentially uh the more uh you know prospect uh, that could have a higher ceiling potentially so uh that's kind of what you flipped here
1: yeah and you talk you mentioned the phrase higher ceiling I guess Derek Brassard is going to be the beneficiary of that higher ceiling opportunity in Colorado as he was involved in the next deal arriving from Florida. The Panthers picking up a third pick in 2020. I'm going to go on the record and say this is going to be one of the better one-sided trades on the board from yesterday's moves, AJ, because Colorado gets a guy who has been a top 6 center wherever he's been except for the last stop in Pittsburgh where he had to play behind your two favorite players, I'm I'm thinking, now that they're still in the Pittsburgh organization with Crosby and Malkin, uh, leaving Fleury aside. But Broussard is a guy who I think slots in very nicely on the second line for Colorado. We've been talking about that being a vacancy that they were unable to fill all season long. Well, I think they found their answer here.
0: Well, and I think we need to, in terms of Florida uh, return on this, you know, some people might say a third round pick seemed a little low for Broussard, um, but you have to remember they also got uh, second rounders and two fourth rounders as part of the initial deal from Pittsburgh. So essentially, Broussard, uh, in some capacity or another, yes, there were other players factoring in, but has kind of netted the organization four picks. Um, so uh, now, obviously. The the one kind of additional condition there is Florida may have to send a pick the other way depending on whether or not Broussard uh, resigns. From Colorado' standpoint, you got a third, uh, a second line center uh, who I think will thrive in that role uh, for a relatively cheap price tag. So I think uh, good business on on both sides here. I don't see it quite as as one sided because I think Florida is looking at the overall return uh, that they got as part of broussard
1: Up next, we saw a couple of deals involving veteran defensemen moving along. I thought this was going to be a real trend on on the trade deadline day, but it didn't really <laughs> turn out that way. However, two of the names that I expected to move did, and one of them, Columbus getting Adam McQuaid from the Rangers for a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. Boy... AJ, we're going to get to talk about Columbus in the playoff run very soon. I think you've got to be wary of this team picking up a guy like Adam McQuaid, not so much for his uh, ability to eat up a lot of minutes, but he's going to be a policeman there and there's nobody going to take any liberties with any of his teammates as long as he's on the beat. I think this is a solid move and a very cheap move when you consider what they had to pay out.
0: Yeah. And I think it bolsters one of the areas that was a little weak, uh, you know, for Columbus, especially with Ryan Murray out, Uh, you know, you had kind of that fourth pairing or third pairing rather of Dean Kukan and Scott Harrington guys who have kind of been in and out of the lineup. So by getting Adam McQuaid, you get uh, kind of a stalwart in there and they do, they have a nice kind of combination. They've got McQuaid and Savard in terms of kind of, you know, veteran shutdown guys. You've got Wierinski and Jones who can get up in the play and then obviously Ryan Murray once he gets healthy. So uh, really bolstered a position that I wouldn't have called weak, but was maybe uh, a little bit lacking once you got outside of those top four guys.
1: And then we talked about uh, the Capitals loading up and getting a depth defenseman. Well, Calgary did the same thing, picking up Oscar Fantenberg from Los Angeles for a fourth round pick in 2020. I mentioned the playoffs, a war of attrition. It's going to be an absolute minefield in the Western Conference. And so getting a veteran guy like Fantenberg for that low cost, a good pickup for Calgary, whose uh, strength of this team is on their blue line, I'd say.
0: Yeah. And I think you, you could take all the same comments that I, that I said about McQuaid into Fenton Once you got outside of those top ones, you kind of had this combination of uh kylington prout uh guys who are a little bit weaker uh as you know uh, that third pairing and you add in kind of a def- you know more uh, experienced guy again michael stone is out so there's a factor as well so uh another team kind of gonna have a really strong blue line uh, heading into the playoffs
1: and then we started to get into the heavy lifting in terms of the name recognition types that really we were expecting to be highlighting uh, the talks in trade deadline day and the the biggie was vegas getting mark stone from ottawa for eric branstrom oscar lindberg and a second pick in 2020 so more prospect capital going ottawa's way Uh, particularly their the jewel in this trade is eric branston uh, branstrom one of the top top prospects not playing in the NHL he's going to be a centerpiece on that Ottawa blue line can you imagine him along with their other guy there tom uh, thomas shabat uh, they're going to have a great top pairing there if they play those guys together too dynamic uh, young defenseman who should be on that team for the uh, manning the points for power play for the next 10 years you could say but vegas picks up the signature guy on the tra- on the trade deadline board in mark stone signed him immediately for a long eight-year contract at a plus uh, nine million plus per year so they they got their ducks in a row pretty quickly vegas did as this w- this went down a quarter uh, hour before the trade deadline uh, was to expire so a uh, great move by vegas but ottawa didn't come away empty-handed in this deal
0: no absolutely not and I think uh the fact that they were able to pry you know branch him away he was a first round pick uh you know by Vegas in 2017 and so uh, they're obviously high on him Oscar Lindbergh uh more of a fringe player for them the, lately only has played 35 games this year but uh, a guy that has some NHL experience a total of 232 games for him uh at at this level and so I think Uh, A good, solid return for Ottawa. Again, uh, a guy that was going to walk no matter what. Uh, You get him in, you know, you get them out and you get in some, some intriguing options for the future. So, uh, I, I like the moves that Ottawa made in, in some ways, uh, you know, to kind of build for the future, obviously, uh, what this season holds, we can talk about that a little bit down the road, but I I do overall like this deal, uh, for Ottawa and for Vegas, who's going to get stone again, who could be, uh, either uh, a top six, Uh, wing option or he could slide into a center role and give them more depth down the middle as well and
1: then we saw a trade that if it went down a couple of years ago it might be the headliner of this whole list aj we're talking about nashville getting michael granlon from minnesota for kevin fiala both of these guys had been centerpieces of uh, top six roles for their respective teams but They're kind of on the downside of the slope right now with what we've seen out of them this year to date. Grandland, not too far removed from being Minnesota's leading scorer about a year and a half ago. And Fiala, a guy who played top-line minutes for an extended period of time in Nashville, switching places, and both teams are hoping that, uh, that these players' fortunes take a turn for the better in their new circumstances. I give Michael Grandland a better chance for that outcome in Nashville just because of the quality of talent he'll be playing around.
0: Well, and I was a little surprised to see this go one for one. I, I, I'm a little surprised Minnesota didn't demand, uh, some more out of, out of the predators because yes, uh, Grandlin maybe this year hasn't been as great, but he still has 49 points on the season had, uh, pl- over 65 in each of his last two. There's Enough games where playing with the talent in Nashville, he can maybe push for the 60 mark might be a little bit hard, but certainly not out of the question. So uh, I I was surprised uh, that Minnesota didn't ask for a little bit more and that this was a straight uh, one for one deal here. Um, But obviously uh, these teams are happy with it and both guys should benefit long term. And the
1: arms race continued in the Western Conference, AJ. When the next deal went down, it was Nashville picking up Wayne Simmons (coughs) from Philadelphia for Ryan Hartman and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2020. In Wayne Simmons, Nashville gets a guy who, uh, who has a full toolbox. He's a... He's a power forward. There's not too many of his ilk left in the NHL, guys that are capable of putting up as many as 30 goals and playing a tough game like he can. So a tremendous pickup for the cat, for the Predators to solidify their wing position. This guy's going to be a factor on the, on the special teams with the power play, and he's going to make teams stand up and take notice whenever he's on the ice, and he'll protect some of the smaller skill forwards. So a guy like a Philip Forsberg for- will be one of the Big part of a welcoming committee i 'm sure when he or Simmons arrives in Nashville uh, Hartman uh, is a spare part uh, that that Philadelphia will plug in, and uh, conditional fourth the, the, This price tag it was a little bit low, considering the demand that I thought there was for Wayne Simmons. I think in looking at it now, I wonder if other teams are kicking themselves that they didn't try and match this he's going to be ufa in the in the off season and uh remains to be seen if he tests the market but if he does this guy's going to hit the pay window hard
0: yeah i, I agree i thought the price uh, tag was was a little bit lower and uh, you have to wonder if it's because it just didn't get done early enough uh if philadelphia kind of found itself scrambling for anybody still willing to make a move here um from nashville's standpoint Think about this potential third line, Brian Boyle, Nick Panino, Wayne Simmons. I wouldn't want to go up against those three uh, gentlemen. That's for sure. So uh, I think it's a great, great pickup by them. Uh, A guy that is a solid depth option. Uh, You know, he can score. Uh, He is a little bit more known for his physicality of late, but certainly does have the ability to add some depth scoring to this team. And and they're a really deep uh, kind of veteran club now that was once. You know, when they made their deep run before, they were a little bit on the younger side uh, with guys like Fiala. And, you know, Arvidsson was still pretty young at that point, even Philip Forsberg. Um, but this is now with some more years of experience, plus the guys they've added, a, a pretty uh, veteran club that'll that'll make, uh, make some headway.
1: And uh, I paid particular attention to the next trade, and uh, it gives me a chance for a little sidebar with you here at this point. The Bruins picking up Marcus Johansson from the New Jersey Devils. For a second rounder in 2019 and a fourth rounder in 2020, Marcus Johansson's been around the block here. Uh, another veteran guy who fits in with the, the 30-something class of the Bruins. And Charlie Coyle <laughs> is up there too in in years and experience. So uh, and one of the league's older teams, when you look at the core of the clubs, uh, Marcus Johansson, Charlie Coyle added the mix. And I'll compare them to the additions the Leafs have made over the last season that factor in as these teams are on a collision course to the playoffs. The Leafs have John Tavares, Uh, Up front and Jake Muzzin on the blue line. I'd rather take that tandem than Coyle and Johansson. So, what say you about that comparison?
0: Well, I think it speaks to where they are as a uh, as an organization that they they have to win now. You know, uh, Toronto has been uh, you know was building up from from kind of nothing the you know four you know four or five years ago, Uh, and so they are a younger team that has been built around kind of draft and develop and it has really worked out for them whereas boston uh they did their draft and develop uh, several years ago and so now they're they're an older team you didn't even mention david backus obviously he's the dano chara on the on the blue line um they do have some some younger options uh, defensively in mcavoy carlo and uh Uh, So there are some, you know, David Pasternak, obviously, um, but you're right. This is an older team that got a little bit older uh, with those additions, but it shows where they are as a franchise and and that, you know, this may be, uh, you know, coming up on on one of their last or, or last handful of opportunities to really make a deep run here.
1: And uh, talk about teams that have turned things around and may uh, maybe, poised for a nice run. The St. Louis Blues, uh, they picked up Michael Delzato. Things are really rosy in St. Louis of late. We've talked about how they were the last place team in the standings not so long ago. And they look poised to make a run in the playoffs. And picking up a guy with the offensive upside of Delzado, he'll be well insulated here around the experience and the, and the depth and quality of the rest of this roster. And all it cost them was a six-round pick from Anaheim. I, I think this is a sneaky good move by the Blues
0: absolutely i think you hit the nail on the head in terms of describing it a sneaky uh kind of pickup here uh you know a six-round pick uh that's that's a guy that may or may not ever see the nhl uh, in terms of where that goes and so to get a guy uh, like you know like uh, delzado who can add offensive uh you know improvements on that blue line this really is a team that for the most part has been driven by alex peter angelo uh, in terms of you know production from that back end, so they get a little bit of uh, help there. I do think it speaks to where they feel Carl Gunnarsson is in terms of returning, uh, you know, to the lineup anytime soon. The fact that they felt they needed uh, to add an extra defenseman probably doesn't bode well uh, for Gunnarsson being healthy anytime soon.
1: And then let's talk about your favorite club, AJ. They got into the uh, defenseman rental market, picking up <coughs> Eric Goodbranson, a big hulking defender from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for tanner pearson uh i think the pens would have liked to have hold on to held on to pearson but when the chance came up to bolster a defense that has been absolutely ravaged by injury and i want you to talk about that a little bit about the makeup of the pens the de- uh, defense right now and uh, maybe forecast the return time for some of the injured parts there
0: yeah i think it's it's interesting that uh you know that this move got made Uh, you know, kind of late. Actually, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford was set to have his press conference uh, about 15 minutes before the deadline uh, was set to close. So clearly it seemed like Pittsburgh was out. uh, But that that press conference didn't happen until after. uh, So these moves obviously popped up. I don't mind uh, trading away Tanner Pearson. You know, he kind of Uh, was supposed to be that second-line winger, uh, but we've seen Zach Aston Reese uh, slide in instead for for Malkin and Kessel. They've really liked what they've gotten out of Teddy Bluger, uh, and I know they're high on Garrett Wilson, so they've had some younger guys. Uh, in the forward ranks who have been producing and that even saw Pearson get scratched uh, for two games and so uh, I think because of the concerns about Brian Dumoulin specifically you know Olimata is probably done until closer to the postseason Uh, Brian Dumoulin has had concussions in the past so when he could be available is a question mark It doesn't sound like they're expecting LeTang to be out long term, um, but uh, obviously they're getting a little thin there. You've got Chad Ruedel and uh, Uc Ricolo, guys who have been in and out of the lineup. And you almost have to wonder if they're regretting uh, trading away Jamie Oleksiak at this point. But Gudbranson kind of fills that role in terms of a big kind of hulking guy uh, on that blue line
1: and didn't they add chris weidman to the mix we should probably group that in aj in terms of the discussion and other defensemen to help with the depth situation there
0: yeah absolutely and i i have to wonder if the weidman deal wasn't uh simply due to the fact that they could get him uh you know uh you know it sounds like good branson might have some uh immigration issues uh and so uh whether or not they can get him into the lineup right away tonight uh, they were facing you know, the prospect of not having uh, a full six defenseman unless they wanted to call somebody up. What I don't love about the move for Weidman is it screams of desperation. Gudbranson didn't to me. Uh, it felt like, yes, we need some help, but we've thought this through. We've got a guy. Chris Weidman uh, seems like a little bit of a, a scramble. Hey, we need an NHL body. And to give up Jean-Sebastien D, a guy who they lost on waivers but then had the opportunity to reclaim and bring back uh, I think uh shows kind of the fact that yes, you know forward depth is a little bit better for the organization they were willing to move him, uh but they obviously like him the fact that they reclaimed him off waivers so the wideman move i don't love um i'm fine with Gud Branson, yes, there's some cap concerns there in terms of you know how much he's making overall, but uh Weidman just- uh you know felt desperate to me at the end to just get uh, somebody else in and i'd rather see them just call up a guy from the minors and, and give him a look rather than than make this move
1: and then uh, to close things out on draft day the <coughs> winnipeg jets were burning the phone lines and the fax machines i guess uh, if we can think that they relied on that technology still they they did four deals in the latter stages of the deadline i wonder if any of the any of these uh, grabbed your attention matt hendricks coming in from minnesota for a seventh pick bogdan Kiselovich from florida for a seventh round pick nathan Beaulieu, an experienced defenseman from the buffalo sabers for a six round pick, probably the most impressive of the four trades and then parlin Lindholm from the leafs for nick patan i'll say parenthetically i'm excited about this trade from the leaf perspective nick patan has an Olymp- canadian world junior experience uh two years uh, in fact playing for the canadian squad and uh, a multiple hundred point plus producer in the in junior hasn't really achieved that level and the leaf staff is talking about how they think they can bring that out of him and get more offense than he's shown as a pro so any of those four traits for minnesota uh, for winnipeg uh, catch your uh, catch your attention
0: well i think what's interesting is that they still made uh, a handful of kind of minor moves for for relatively uh, low cost picks Uh, You know, I think Matt Hendricks really helps bolster uh, a bottom six that's relatively young. You know, you got Jack Roslavich down there, Mason Appleton, Brandon Tanev, all pretty inexperienced guys. So you get a little more of that veteran pop out of Hendricks. Uh, In Lindholm, you get a, a prospect for a guy that basically wasn't getting any play time. They just didn't have anywhere that they felt uh, they could put Nick Patan. I think it's a good move for him to get some more opportunities in, in Toronto. The one I like the most, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, Bollier, uh adding some veteran experience. I actually like Bogdan Kislevich as a, as a depth option. This is a team that's pretty deep defensively with Sammy Niku and Tucker Pullman. Uh, but Kislevich adds kind of that third Uh, you know young defensive prospect they've got Bufflin and Morrow dealing with injuries so it'll be a bit of a shuffle here to see who ends up where uh, in terms of that blue line but you've mentioned war of attrition there uh, and I think they definitely become one of the the you know deeper uh, defensive teams in the league with those moves without having to really give up much
1: and now let's take a look at some of the teams and and the way they might shake shape up after the deals I'll begin with Boston you touched on the fact uh, that charlie coyle probably slots in as a third line center that gives him the chance to play with david backus another guy that you mentioned on a pretty formidable two-thirds of a third line joaquin nordstrom looks to be the guy that might fill it out on the left wing but don't discount sean Corelli. this guy's been a sneaky good depth forward for the bruins all season long i think he could fill out that unit and make it an interesting team uh, an interesting checking line in the playoffs as the playoffs approach marcus johansson for his part becomes a second line right wing he'll be a power play factor too i think aj
0: yeah absolutely and the other thing to consider is yes it's still uh, probably about two weeks away but when david Pasternak gets healthy moves back up to marchant and bergeron then you've potentially got Denton Heinen uh, with Backus and Coyle uh, instead of Nordstrom. Or uh, if you really love Heinen, you could uh, go Heinen, Coyle, Nordstrom, and bump a guy like David Backus down to the fourth line. They have scratched him at points this season as well. Um, and so it, it gives them a ton of options by bringing in Goyle, Coyle and Johansson or Let's not forget, as we mentioned, you could move coil up to play with Bergeron and on if you wanted to. So, a ton of flexibility a ton of options i expect to see these lines moving a ton in the next couple of weeks here so they figure out what they want to do for the postseason and kind of have that all figured out
1: and the next team i want to look at with you is the columbus <laughs> blue jackets aj they made a whole host of moves and they didn't push uh, artemi panarin out the door so he and matt duchene looked like they'll line up as two-thirds of the uh, newly constructed first line i think it's a great landing spot for duchene and as a playmaker and a, a solid skater. I think he's just the kind of center that Panera needs and certainly fills a role that that uh, Columbus needed to fill uh, and a bit of an upgrade over uh, the other guys they have here Pierre-Luc Dubois could drop as far as third line center in our projections I think he's more uh, likely to wind up in the second hole here he's an offensive minded guy and so it's a pretty nice one-two punch there in the middle and then on the blue line Adam McQuaid probably nothing more than a third pairing defenseman what say you about the way this team looks like maybe you can talk a little bit about the fit for Ryan DeZingo as well.
0: Yeah, I think for him, uh, probably start in a third-line role uh, with Dubois and, and Borkstrand, or potentially, as you kind of uh, keyed in, it could be Dzingo. Jenner and Borkstrand, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Zingle and Anderson potentially switch uh, and have Ryan Zingle getting you know top six minutes. So we'll see how that that all shakes out. Again, uh, lines are going to be in flux, so you're definitely going to want to go to RotoWire and kind of check uh, how these all shake out over the next couple of weeks. I think you'll see a lot of moving parts here, uh, and then Alex Wenberg, you know, getting healthy as well is going to be a factor in that center combo. And I think you're right with Adam Aquayta. He'll see plenty of minutes. He'll play a role, but it'll probably be in that third pairing.
1: And then Nashville, I mean, we haven't really updated all of the roster charts here, but I think you're going to have to do some homework on the min- the uh, Nashville one, AJ, because I see Wayne Simmons here listed a fifth on the right wing depth chart. There's no way he's fifth there. He's going to wind up in the second or third hole on the right side. On the left side, Michael Grandin, is, Grandland comes in. He's listed as day-to-day with an injury. I think he's another guy that fits in on the second line here. So I can almost project to you that it'll be Grandland and Tourist as two-thirds to that unit and maybe simmons gets simmons gets a look to round it out so that's a great looking line instead of the mix and match thing that they've been doing all season long
0: yeah absolutely i, I think what will end up happening for me uh, i would guess that Grandlin will be second line with tourists and then either colton sisson or cali yarn crock will fill that out and then i do think they'll go with that boyle bonino uh, simmons third line there uh, and then you know that'll factor in but You have to consider that, you know, where does Craig Smith fit in Uh, once he gets healthy? uh, You know, that probably end of the, you know, early next month, it looks like uh, potentially for him. Do they get Austin Watson back at some point? He's, you know, suspended uh, right now as part of that the substance abuse program. Whether or not they get him back, that'll shuffle things around. Um, and so, yeah, but I think Grandlin on the second, uh, Simmons on the third is, is probably how they'll look more often than not.
1: And then what, what do you think the Sharks are going to do with Gustav Nyquist? <laughs> we have him temporarily listed as a third line right wing. Uh, Eunice Donskoy has kind of been up and down for me on the right side, not scoring as regularly as I might like. Uh, Nyquist is in the middle of a pretty nice year. I could see him, him playing a second line role and being a nice fit alongside Thomas Hurdle.
0: I think what you'll see is it'll depend on who they're matched up against. If you've got a a deeper team that they're paired up against, you'll see Nyquist in that third line giving them kind of a key winger on each line and Pavelski on the first Kane on the second and Nyquist on the on the third if you're going up against a team that's maybe not so not as deep they may consider moving Nyquist up uh, to either as I said off the top either that first line you know against like a Colorado to be able to put Nyquist, Couture, and Pavelski up against that top Colorado line uh, and still be able to come back with a Vander Kane, Thomas Hertel, and and Donskoy uh, is a good combination so I think it'll depend on who they're playing uh, where he kind of falls
1: and then two more teams I want to look at with you Vegas first AJ and boy the Marchesville Carlson and Smith line is finally starting to click like it did last season and they're still listed as the top unit let's stay with that and, and say that these guys continue in that role, that affords them the luxury of putting three guys together who weren't even on this team last year in Pacioretty, Stastny, and Stone. For my money, one of the top lines in the NHL on paper. And boy, uh, a really nice looking unit with size, strength, scoring ability, you name it, they have it here. It could be easily one of the best lines in hockey.
0: Yeah, and again, it gives them uh, some options as well. If they want to spread things out a little bit, you could uh, slide Mark Stone uh, into more of a a, a third-line center role instead, although he is more traditionally a winger. But you could flip him and Alex Took to give you kind of three lines if you wanted to, you know, Pacioretty, Stastny, Took, have worked well this season. So do you go uh, some combination of Puri, Eakin, uh, Stone, and then maybe Thomas Nosick or uh, flipping in and out for Puri uh, would give you kind of some additional options there. So uh, again, it'll probably depend on opponent, but ultimately I think, you're right you're going to see primarily that patch Reddy, stastny uh stone line as the second group
1: yeah that's got to make their head coach giddy he must be uh, lying in bed with a pen and paper just dotting line combinations and just g- giggling <laughs> to himself like a schoolgirl. Uh, Final team that I want to take a look at with some of the moves uh, on their roster is the Winnipeg Jets. We talked all season long about the fact that Brian Little has been a serviceable second line center. And uh, for the past month, we've talked about Patrick Laine. And we both suggested maybe it was long overdue for him to be reunited with his first line mates from last year in Shifley and Wheeler and you said it yourself they can make you and I look good but Patrick Laine is a whole other kettle of fish and that uh, long scoreless drought is a thing of the past now he's got his uh, shooting eye back and uh, lines up with those two big fellas and speaking of big fellas Kevin Hayes looks like he's going to inherit that second line center role and Little drops down to a more appropriate third line center role for him and Jas- Jack Roslevic still in the mix here I thought he was going to be the guy that was going to be dangled in trades uh it's a luxury for the Jets to retain this guy as a top prospect and uh, that's a pretty nice one to four in the middle of the ice
0: yeah absolutely and Matt Hendricks could certainly factor in there uh you know playing a little more of a veteran uh gritty role uh instead of Roslavic uh if they wanted to I wouldn't be surprised now that line has kind of gotten out of that slump to see him and Kyle Connor flipped again, uh, you know, anchored, you know, he would have Nikolai Ailer's back, which has kind of been a linchpin uh, for him for a lot of time. Plus, Kevin Hayes is that upgrade. Uh, I, I do think uh, you could potentially see Lina and Connor flipped again, um, but Connor has continued to produce in that second line role as well. Uh, you know, in in the switch, so they may stick with it. It kind of depends. Um, you know but i i wouldn't be surprised also to see kevin hayes factor in on their power play as well uh which will be a big uh you know big upgrade for them
1: then let's talk about our own club favorite clubs aj as we close out this particular segment and before we get to the fan duel stuff the pittsburgh penguins on, on paper they st- certainly have the top two centers in the league i'll concede that to you in our dollar bet as of this moment uh but uh, uh, that's still still not a fait accompli but right now you got a leg up and uh, around them they have a lot of depth in terms of the forward ranks defense is a question mark there they helped themselves a little bit do you think they did enough and are you concerned that they didn't find an upgrade in the nets
0: yeah so i've been thinking about uh you know the the move to potentially make uh an addition uh at goalie at the deadline here and here's what i'll say is it depends what your ultimate goal is here. If if you think Matt Murray is your netminder of the future, then to go ahead uh, and bring in a netminder, even somebody who would trend towards a backup after that tough loss uh, in which he claimed rightfully a lot of the responsibility for uh, to the Flyers, sends a bad message to him that – if for a guy whose confidence is low, you make a move showing you don't have a ton of confidence in him. Uh, that's kind of going to going to send things off the rails. If you're not worried about that and you're just worried about winning games right now, then I think you make the move, which maybe they should have. And and I haven't really decided where I land on that. But uh, I do think there was more than just do we need an an upgrade factored in here is how is this going to affect uh matt murray long term and and hopefully they made the right choice here uh as i said i didn't really love the addition of quish quish weidman i thought it was a reach i don't hate the gred branson move and i think they just need uh you know they need murray to be better and i think they uh can you know obviously win shootouts with the talent that they have. I didn't think they needed to add anything in terms of forward after they brought in McCann and Bugstad. I thought they were set there. I don't mind uh, letting Pearson go because of some of the young guys that have stepped up.
1: And then I'll take a crack at analyzing the Leafs, and I'll give you a chance to rebuttal that. But uh, I was a little disappointed they didn't... Uh, Bolster their blue line maybe the asking price was too high for some of the other guys that didn't move that quartet of right (coughs) shooting uh, right hand shooting guys in carolina for instance was was not uh, targeted in in these trade talks at all by any club it seems so they're still they're sitting with four right-handed guys Uh, a real luxury in the NHL when you think about that aspect Uh, some high price tags attached to them though too and Radko Kokutis was a name linked to the lease, but they didn't make any significant moves on the back end I guess I'll have to satisfy myself with the fact that their big moves were made well in advance of the draft going back to last offseason when they added Tavares and most recently when they added Jake Muzzin interestingly enough Jake Muzzin was brought in to be a right uh, right right-handed shot defenseman we thought but he's a back on the left side where he's more comfortable and uh, Ron Hainsey's still playing big minutes there and uh, he's on an expiring deal so looking ahead to next year they're gonna have to fill that somehow from outside because it doesn't look like the answer is inside the organization so they're going to take a run at the at the Bruins again, but uh, I, I think head-to-head, that should be another game. Se- we might as well pencil it in for another seven-game series with a coin flip, I guess. And, and it rains to be seen who gets home ice with the team separated by a point. But the way I see it, uh, Austin Matthews is a year older. Willie Nylander finally in a groove. Even Freddie Gauthier coming up uh, large on the weekend. And interesting little note on that fourth line, A.J., now that they got Nicholas Petan in the mix, he's going to get a look. But Tyler Ennis is back and healthy and he scored in the last two games. Freddie Gauthier and Trevor Moore have an interesting thing going uh, that I found found notable. When they look at Trevor Moore, he's played eight games with the Leafs. Freddie Gauthier has 12 points on the season. He has six of them in the eight games that he's played with Trevor Moore. So that bodes well for the Leafs' depth on their offense.
0: Yeah, I just don't think you know. I I don't think there was maybe uh, the market that they wanted. I'm sure they looked at defenseman uh, options, but they obviously gave up. Uh, you know, some of uh, some of what they had to offer when they brought in Muzzin. And so and I didn't really think other than the Nick Patan deal, which really didn't cost them anything in parland home, uh, you know, they they didn't need to bolster their forward ranks. That's for sure. Uh, net mining is solid. Maybe you would have wanted a, a minor deal for somebody other than Sparks. An argument could be made, but not one that I think uh, has to be made. I think he can do fine. Uh, and so really, uh, I just don't think maybe the market was there. Uh, I have to imagine, especially for maybe some of the bigger name guys uh, on the back end of what they would have to give up, I have to imagine Kasperi Kapanen's name came up and I wouldn't imagine they want to get rid of him anytime soon. Uh, And so, yeah, I think they're they're a team that was fine to basically stand pat. You add a little bit of a veteran guy in Nick Patan and we'll see how, how he fits into the lineup for him.
1: All right, that gives us an opportunity to switch gears now into our FanDuel (coughs) segment, AJ. And we'll begin by reminding our listeners that you and I are two of the two and a half million players who have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel, Uh, whether it be uh, hockey, football, baseball, basketball, racing, golf. We have a myriad of sports and a myriad of games for all uh, budgets uh, that you can play at. And to take advantage of our special offer, we invite new users to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash rw there are 11 games on tonight's docket aj busy slate and five of them feature teams that are on the road playing the second of back-to-backs before we get into the picks that we made are you staying away from those teams in general and conversely do you load up on teams that are hosting teams that are coming in on the second of back-to-backs usually when you play fan duel
0: So for me, it it does, unfortunately, come on a case to case basis. It's not quite as black and white for me, Uh, you know, looking at the teams, uh, the Kings coming off a back to back, I'm not touching that, although I don't really touch the Kings when they're, you know, at home and and well rested, but uh, you know, like a a Nashville coming off a back to back going against St. Louis, Uh, St. Louis has been one of the hottest teams uh, of late, as you mentioned, Um, but Nashville is just such a powerhouse team florida's matchup uh, against arizona Uh, again that's one that maybe i take a look at because of you know the matchup. so unfortunately uh it's not quite as black and white in terms of whether i do or don't uh, use a team coming off a back-to-back but it's definitely something that you need to consider need to factor in when building out those lineups
1: all right before we give ours out why don't you tell us what the optimizer has spit up for tonight's games
0: yeah, absolutely. So for the optimizer tonight, uh, it's going to start at the center position with Ryan O'Reilly at 6,700 and then Boone Jenner for Columbus uh, at 4,800. Now that's probably a lot to do with the fact that we have him slotted in at that second line center role right now. Uh, if he gets bumped to the third and if he potentially loses his spot on the power play due to their new additions, uh, that will you know, obviously factor in. The optimizer is likely to adjust because of that on the wing uh, going big with Alexander Ovechkin, 8,800 hard not to want to stack Washington tonight against Ottawa that just lost some of its best players. Uh, Cam Atkinson uh, for Columbus against Pittsburgh as well, 7,100. The Penguins have been giving up a lot of goals as we just kind of talked about. And Atkinson again, slotted in uh, for that top line assignment, obviously watch for that to change as well. Uh, Jaden Schwartz for St. Louis against Nashville, uh, 5,100. Uh, So has both O'Reilly and Schwartz from that top line there, relatively cheap uh, stack there at 67 and 5,100 playing against the Nashville team coming into town on a back-to-back. Then the optimizer likes Brandon Peary for 3,700. Uh, Right now, he's projected for a first power play line assignment, but that could certainly change as well. And so that would be a factor here uh, to consider. All of these line combinations, as I said, are up in the air. So uh, you need to consider that for your daily and season-long picks defensively the optimizer likes a columbus stack right now and it's really hard uh, to argue against that with how many goals they've been giving up lately seth jones 5400 and zach wierenski at 4800 who i maintain is somewhat underpriced for what he can offer and then in the goals the optimizer likes brayden hopi at 8600 again i mentioned ottawa being uh you know Definitely, without some talent, uh, some talent now, uh, and so using Holpe might be uh, your best option tonight.
1: Are you saying there's a tire fire at the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa?
0: <laughs> there definitely is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely, well, is. it
0: certainly looks like it, and we'll
1: have a few, a few more <laughs> comments about that in in that regard. In my uh, roster, I'll go through it and give reasons for why I made these picks. I'll begin with that Washington-Ottawa lineup uh, uh, matchup tonight to go to one of my centers, Evgeny Kuznetsov. It's very important to know who's playing with Ovechkin, and Kuznetsov's been lining up with him for the last several games, and that means that $7,400 for a, a home date against uh, the Ottawa Senators or maybe the Binghamton... Uh, whatever their minor league affiliate is. It's not Bennington. <laughs> it's, uh, it's somewhere in, uh, in Ontario here, but, uh, they, they will bring that club in. And I think they're going to get their themselves waxed by the, the capitals tonight, $7,400. It's Belleville. that it just came to me. And it was a B, uh, if getting could on a bit of a roll. $7,400 cheap for him. So I'm happy to bring him in. Claude Giroux, uh, from Philadelphia, uh, having a career season again back in the middle of the ice sabers are on the second of back-to-backs and this is a team if you get on them early they they kind of lose interest they they look disinterested for a lo- large stretch of the game last night once the Leafs got in gear and I think the same thing could happen on the second of back-to-backs $6,900 the price tag for the number one pivot for Philadelphia then we go to the wings and I pick up Tyler bertuzzi speaking of winger wingers i'm going to the detroit red wings for him for forty-four hundred dollars. i get a guy who's playing on the first line there and a robust player who may make the montreal defense kind of shy away from him he's been filling up the stat sheet not only with goals and assists but shots and and block shots so quite a nice value for me at forty-four hundred dollars, i think then i'm going to go back to philadelphia pick up travis connect me uh so I got two thirds of the top line there, $5,600 the price point. And uh, rounding out my wing position, I. I go to Boston they got a tough matchup with visitors from San Jose but the last time these two teams hooked up last week in San Jose Jake DeBrusque had a big game and I look for him to repeat that because he's been on a heck of a roll for the Bruins in a top six role and looking like the guy that he was in the latter part of last season he's he's warming up to the task and the time of year at fifty eight hundred dollars good value there rounding out that compliment on the on the wings i'm going to go to the game that you're probably going to watch very closely tonight columbus blue jackets and i'm going to take cam atkinson who's uh, one of the leading offensive pieces there for columbus i paid up to get him 7100 dollars he's another guy that's been filling up the stat sheet getting multiple shots on goal in several consecutive games in a row and so uh, i'm quite happy to plug him in and round out the offense then on defense I turn to one of those right-handed shooting defenders who's still in Carolina with the visitors from LA coming in. Justin Falk looks like he's firing on all cylinders offensively, $4,900 his price tag. And I pair him with a guy you mentioned from the Boston Bruins, Charlie McAvoy, who looks to be the centerpiece of that blue line core for several years to come coming into his own of late and uh, filling up the stat sheet and only priced at $4,300. I think that's one of the top bargains on the entire board, AJ, for my money. And I go with the optimizer and I say in nets, Braden Holtby has the highest win probability for the most reasonable price, $8,600, just getting in under the uh, cap budget limit. So quite happy to put that uh, lineup to, to work today.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's really hard not to use Brayden Holpe at, at, at this point, and I'll, I'll just start there. Uh, I'm actually going to do that as well. 8,600 for that matchup. They're at home. Uh, the The Ottawa team is without any real uh, offensive pieces You know that they, they let go and, and traded away. They do still have. You know, Brady Chichuk, Bobby Ryan, Zach Smith are guys that could factor in. Um, but you look at their center combinations. You've got uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot potentially as the number one. Chris Tierney is the number two. Brian Gibbons is the number three. And they haven't called the player up yet. So right now we don't even project them as having a fourth center <laughs> on the lineup right now. And so uh, they they obviously have some concerns there. So I will also be using Brady and Hope tonight uh, in terms of my forwards. Uh, I'm going to kind of uh, go with a couple new uh, additions who are anchoring new lines. And that'll start with Kevin Hayes, 5,200 for that Winnipeg second line. They're at home playing against Minnesota. I can pair him up. With Kyle Connor at just 5,800 and Nikolai Aylers at just 5,300, that's a hell of a steal for a second line group. Uh, they're not paying up over 6,000 for any one of those three guys. Uh, and then I'll do much the same uh, with Mark Stone's line in in Vegas. There, he's the biggest price tag for me uh, outside of the Nets tonight at 7,600. But you can get his center, Paul Statsny, at just 52, and his other winger, Max Pacioretty, at just 59. Uh, So really some value uh, options there. You know, if you like some of the individual guys that Paul highlighted, you can steal some of these stacks. Uh, to kind of round out that as well uh, and so definitely some good options tonight defensively i'm going to add a fourth winnipeg guy in Jakob truba at five thousand. Uh i think he's been on a roll lately uh, and really at five thousand dollars is a good price uh, i saved a bunch of money using those those cheap uh stacks and so i'm going to pay up for john carlson tonight uh, for Washington 6300 I think it's a great opportunity for him to rack up some points and as I said Brayden will be in the Nets hard to go wrong there
1: yeah I think he's going to be highly owned in the Nets but you can't miss out on that situation you'll be behind the eight ball if everybody else capitalizes and now we turn our attention to the closing segment of the show we bring you our stud of the week we're going to talk about another goalie AJ and it looks like your club might be facing this guy early in the postseason i'm going to talk about i want to talk about sergey babrovsky he's been the subject of a lot of speculation and headlines that he might want out of columbus but i think there's one more playoff run in him and he's looking like he's ready for it last week two wins both shutouts in three starts he was the number one star in the nhl.com voting uh, all the while uh, despite all these trade rumblings playing at the top of his game that reminds me to tell you that he's a two-time st- uh, Vezina trophy winner a hot goalie can be a decisive factor come playoff time we all know that and with the ads that Columbus Blue Jackets made last week he may even be more energized to finish strong that could be bad news for your club
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I, the additions that they've made uh, could work out for them. They could go south, obviously. But, yeah, having Sergey Bobrovsky uh, in between the notes, uh, in between the nets, rather, uh, is, you know, a, a big factor in, in what he can bring to the table. Uh, they obviously brought in Keith Kincaid just in case. Uh, They need to use him, but obviously, I think for the most part, you'll see Bob uh, starting most of the games the rest of the way and will uh, probably, despite uh, adding guys like Duchesne, Bob Roski will be the linchpin uh, for how far this team makes it into the postseason.
1: Now, AJ, you are a native of the United States. I'm a native of Canada. When it comes to the rant of the week, I've been a strong proponent of Canadian content in the NHL, but it's hard to defend what's going on in Ottawa. They've dissected this team, has stripped it. The trade deadline saw this franchise trade away its three top scorers. That follows the trade of Eric Carlson last season. Four signature players all gone within almost uh, less than a a year on the calendar. It was only a couple of seasons ago that this same team took the defending cup champs, your very own Penguins, to overtime in game seven. You'll recall that one, won't you? Uh, This is a serious ownership problem, in my opinion, folks. Eugene Melnick has shown that he is not able to come up with the resources to stay competitive, and that's why they stripped this team to the bones. I think it's at least in part due to a lack of corporate support in a town that is largely a political hub in Canada and little else in terms of a corporate presence and they're really suffering because of that and nobody really wants to address that elephant in the room. I think the answer here is ultimately going to be relocation or a change of ownership that must be considered before this fan base continues to head to the exodus and cause a stampede that's like the running of the bulls in Spain. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I I think what you have to, you know, look at, and I, I think you've kind of highlighted a few of these uh, situations is why they're not able to get these guys to re-sign long-term deals to stay in Ottawa. Now, I, I don't think, I don't have a problem with them trading away those guys because, you know, Duchesne wasn't going to re-sign. If Dezingo wasn't going to re-sign, that, that's fine. You know, Carlson, obviously, you know, that whole situation, they weren't going to pay him. And if you look at what they've gotten in return, they've got 11 picks in the first two rounds uh, in the next uh, three seasons. And so they've definitely stockpiled the way to build this team. So what, what I think the issue is, is what you're kind of keying on, is why isn't this team able to re-sign these guys? Why are they finding themselves consistently Bingo. in this situation of... You know oh we can't re-sign this guy so we have to trade him away obviously they've got bobby ryan under contract for another three years after this season although some people will po- point to that being a bad deal and it'd be hard to you know really judge them uh, for those comments <laughs> either uh so yeah i think obviously that's the you know the bigger concern here uh is is why won't people stay and play in ottawa and that's what i think needs to be addressed and i do think ownership is one of the key problems here
1: well we'll have no no shortage of headlines from the nation's capital for the rest of the season but sadly it's going to be all related to off-ice stuff and that's the part that bothers me aj but there's a lot of great stuff that we can look forward to in the coming weeks with the stretch drive now that we're past the trade deadline that'll be the focus of our next several episodes here on podcast and uh, that wraps up this one so uh, on behalf of my partner AJ Scholz I want to remind you please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter follow me Paul Bruno at statsman22 and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24 as always we invite you to listen in the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody